my son Lucas, before I, I left the house this morning, he's homesick, so Allison's with him, and uh, he was running a high fever, and bless his heart, his little flushed face, and he sat up this morning before I walked out, and he said, Daddy, will you please ask the church to pray for me before you preach? I said, Son, I will. So uh, I pass that message on, and uh, we certainly do appreciate those prayers. Uh, I tell you, it's, it's endearing uh, to a parent's heart when you know your, your kid realizes uh, the importance and sig- significance of prayer and uh, he has support uh, with his church family. That's a, it's a great thing. And so uh, uh, anyways, uh, um, part of what I want to talk about this morning, go ahead and take your Bibles. Uh, kind of good segue, I guess you could say, uh, in, in speaking about parents and how we kind of, you know, proud of our children at times and not so much at other times, but we still love them nonetheless. But, um, you know, a lot of you have probably seen these. You drive down the road. By the way, turn to Luke chapter 2. Always helps if I give that reference. In it. Luke chapter 2. If you're visiting with us, we're thankful that you've chosen to be with us today and hope that you'll uh, make yourself at home. And um, we're glad you're with us. I hope that your, your time with us is, is met with Christian hospitality and warmth and reception and uh, so anyway, we're glad you're here. We're studying through the book of Luke. We actually have taken a couple of weeks off um, and hit a few uh, annual services that we, we visit at the first of the year. But I uh, want to get back into the study of the Gospel of Luke. And so today we're looking at Luke chapter 2. And um, we will begin our reading shortly in verse 39. But uh, back to what I was saying earlier, I, I think a lot of you... Um, You've probably seen these before. If you've, if you've seen this before, raise your hand. You, you've been behind a car, and you see those bumper stickers. My, my child is an honor student at whatever. Yeah, yeah. How many of you have seen the other one that says, My child beat up your honor student? Anybody seen those? Yeah. Some of you might have those on your car. I better check in the parking lot. Uh, but it's funny because we, we do have this tendency uh, to, you know, to want to boast about our children. And I think that's, you know, that's all right. It's a, it's a good thing. We're proud. We, we love our kids, and, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to support them, show our support. And, uh, but, you know, I wonder, as I was preparing for this message and I was reading this text, and there's not a lot given to us in Scripture about Jesus as a kid. In fact, this is the only point uh, that we find in Scripture about Jesus' life as a child, the verses we're going to look at today. And so you kind of, you kind of wonder what, you know, what was it like? What was childhood like? And um, I'm having some difficulties today. But uh, anyways, so, so I wonder if, if growing up, you know, you, you know you've heard this before. Um, you know, James, why can't you be more like your brother Jesus? You know, I don't know if he got that. Yeah, but it'd be kind of hard growing up in, in a home with Jesus as your brother. Because um, he was perfect, right? I mean, Scripture tells us we know Jesus was perfect. I wonder what that was like. You know, did he change his own diaper? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> That'd be pretty perfect, huh? For those of you who are in the changing diaper stage. Um, well, let's take a look at today's text. And let's find out what the Word of God says about Christ in his childhood. Again, we're in Luke chapter 2, 
And our reading is in verse 39 and following. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. Now so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Father, I pray this morning that you would allow me to be a clean vessel. Lord, that you would just allow your grace to flow through me today, that I'd be able to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit, to teach in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray that our hearts and minds would be attentive. And Lord, that we would... Search this scripture diligently, study to show ourselves approved, and Lord, that we would apply that message which you have for us in application today. Lord, we worship you and we pray that uh, you be exalted through this time together. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if any of you have ever lost a child temporarily. Anybody had that fear, that experience? I know, it's scary stuff, isn't it? Uh, I got two stories. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit. One of them's really embarrassing. I, I'll never forget. I'm a brand new dad. Faith, you know, she 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 knows this story. She likes to remind people when they come to visit sometimes, you know, of this story. My daddy left me one time in the parking lot of Walmart. But uh, I'll never forget. I had stopped. I was a youth pastor at the time, and brand new at this, you know, being a daddy thing. And Allison needed to do something. said, can you take Faith with you today? I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. I've got to go pick up CJ. We're going to go have a bite to eat, and, and i, I got to stop by Walmart. Said, yeah, that's fine, I'll take her. Well, I had her in the back of the Jeep there, and I pulled up at CJ's, and CJ started to get in the back, and he realized there's you know, a kid back there, so he gets up in the front, and we go to Walmart, and, and we're talking the whole time. We're in the parking lot, and we get out, and we go walking into Walmart. And I don't know about you, but when I go into Walmart... I like to spend a little time at that wall of have you seen me, you know, missing children. So I'm standing there and I'm looking just to see, you know, if any of these kids have come through my youth group. And all of a sudden it hits me. 
faith is in the car. And I mean, you talk about, you know, look, I'm not much of a runner, but I did some sprinting that day. I was getting it across that parking lot. And I tell you, this is the, the honest truth. The whole time I'm running, I could have sworn I'm hearing this baby screaming and crying for help. And of course, by the time I get to the car, she's still sleeping. She has no clue. Boy, that was a heart stopper. Another time, this was not so long ago. This was actually uh, last year. And um, me and Allison were visiting my folks in Asheboro. And um, my parents had moved into a new apartment complex. And they wanted us to go down and see the clubhouse and the pool and all that stuff. So, so we went walking down there. And um, me and Allison, the kids, my mom was back at the apartment. And so I went with my dad. And I saw a girl from high school and started talking to her. Hadn't talked just a couple of minutes. And I look around and where's Luke? And Allison's like, well, he was just here. And it, for those of you who've experienced this, it, it happens like that. I mean, it's just in a second, and it's like they vanished. And so we, we can't see him anywhere. So, of course, my first thought is get to the pool. And I look in the pool, and I'm looking, I'm scanning the bottom of the pool, and, of course, my heart's just pounding. And now this girl, she's telling everybody at the pool, have y'all seen a little boy, you know? And then the word's kind of getting out, and we're searching everywhere. And all of a sudden, this apartment complex, there was one way in and one way out. And I'm going to tell you, a car started coming, and I was this close to stepping in front of the car and stopping because I was going to make sure no one left that apartment complex until I searched their car. Now, I, I, I didn't do that, though the thought hit me. To do that very thing. And we just scattered and we're screaming, we're yelling. And, and within a matter of, it, it may have been three minutes, um, but it seemed like ten. Um, we hear Luke answering from a distance and he's coming up the hill and he's just crying. He had wandered off and thought he was going to walk back to the apartment. And uh, he had taken the wrong turn and had gotten lost. And so... Very scary situation. And again, it happens like that. Um, I can't imagine, you know, uh, this scenario. I don't know if you picked up on it. Three days. Three days. Now, we'll go through this text and we'll kind of explain a little bit how that can happen because in this day and culture, it could easily happen. So let's kind of go through the text today, and, and we'll break this down, and we'll see uh, what other lessons we can learn other than hang tight to your children. <laughs> that may be one application you can get today. Um, but uh, let's take a look at, at what God's Word has to say to encourage us. First thing I want to look at in this text today is the person. We're reminded in this text again uh, because Luke's focus is different than other gospel writers. Luke's focus is on the humanity. Jesus is 100% man. He's 100% God. Humanity doesn't lessen, it adds to. Because God can relate to you and me as a person, as a man, as a woman. He has walked in this earthly robe, if you will. And so Luke's gospel has done a job of laying this out systematically from the beginning to where we are now. Notice in the text, if you would, in verse 39. 
So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, I want to clear up some things because the last time I spoke, I was the one that was sick. In fact, uh, Lynn will recall very easily, I I had to get up from Sunday school and ask him to immediately take over because I was either going to puke or pass out. I thank the Lord I did neither. So last time I spoke on this, um, I I probably need to get with Brother Mike because we may need to do some editing uh, on some of that. Oh, man, all right. (laughs) And so, uh, anyway, I want to bring some clarification. Luke's gospel does not include the account of when they fled to Egypt. It does not include the account of the wise men coming. Uh, It doesn't tell us about Herod having the children slaughtered up to the age of two uh, to try and rid Uh, the land of the Messiah. He doesn't give us that information. And so the question has often been asked, well, why is that omitted? You know, that would seem like pretty important history. But again, you've got to realize that's well documented in Matthew's writing. If you want to know about that story in its entirety, Matthew chapter 2. Give it a look, read through it at some point, and you'll get the full picture. Remember, the Gospels come with different uh, perspective, different purpose in writing. A different audience, if you will, would have been reading these accounts. And so when you put them together, you get a full picture. You know, always uh, when I'm doing discipleship, I, I tell folks, you know, it's like if, if the four of us witness a wreck out here and we were interviewed afterwards, we would all tell the truth about what we saw, but some of us may leave out certain details, some of us may include certain details. And when you put the whole picture together, you get a full picture and it makes a lot of sense. And that's what happens in these gospel writings. So Luke is focusing on the humanity. The point in which happened, which we see right here in this verse, is again, he doesn't see the need to include all of that. That's not his purpose. That's been well documented already. So he, and you'll begin to see this from this point moving forward in, the, in these following verses, that there's almost snapshots. By the way, we've got one verse on Jesus as a child. There's a lot of time elapse going on here. You remember John said, look, if he could write everything that's been done, it would fill up volumes of books. This world wouldn't be able to contain all the things that Jesus has done. So Luke puts in here, and by the way, I I believe this is where, so when they had, had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, remember she's... Uh, the child's been circumcised, the 40-day of purification, all that's taken place. They return to Galilee. Well, that's where, prior to their returning to Galilee, that's where you fit Matthew 2. Okay? So if you want to know the timeline, the chronological unfolding, that's where Matthew 2 fits. They would have gone to Bethlehem. They would have been there a certain amount of time, months, um, they would have then had the wise men come. How do I know that? Well, look for a second. Turn over to Matthew 2. I'll point out a couple of things that give us some telltale. Let's pick up our reading in verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy, and when they had come into the house... 
they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now, we have already learned in Luke's gospel writing something very important. When they came for the um, purification, when they came for the circumcision, did they offer a lamb? No. What did they offer? Poor was to offer turtle doves or pigeons, right? We know based upon Luke's writing, when they came to Jerusalem for, to fulfill, for fulfillment of the, of the law, they offered what a poor person would offer. The, the, the poorest would have offered grain. So they had a little bit more than that. This tells me something very important. If this would have been after the wise man's visit, you think they could have afforded a lamb? After being given all the treasures they were given? Absolutely they could have. But they didn't. That's an indicator that they were still in their poverty when Luke's writing in the beginning when they come for the purification. Alright? Um, they were good Jews. And that's one of the things that Luke has, has really emphasized, and he's going to emphasize it in today's text. Don't be mistaken, just because you think they lost their child, that somehow they're not good parents or godly people. They were very godly people. And so had they had the money, I believe their character says they would have offered the best they could have offered. So they didn't have it at that point. It also said, if you picked up in the text, they weren't in a hole, a cave. Uh, they weren't in um, the place where Jesus was born, a manger. When the wise men get there, they're where? In a house. Okay? So these are indicators uh, to me in this chronological timeline that at some point, and again, Luke does not need to include this because it's well documented in other places. I believe the appropriate place for it fitting is they went early on after the birth. They followed the customary laws to have him circumcised. They did the 40 days of purification. They then returned to Bethlehem. At some point, they get a, a place. They settle in a house. Wise men come, deliver the gifts. There's a warning from an angel. For them not to go back because they've already talked to Herod. There's also a warning for uh, uh, Joseph and Mary to flee to Egypt in fulfillment of Scripture as well. And so they flee to Egypt. They return after Herod's death. So again, there's a certain amount of time that, is un- that has unfolded before they finally settle back in Galilee. But they do eventually settle back in Galilee. And, and Matthew tells us that at the conclusion uh, of, of that as well. Uh, I'll see if I can find that real quickly. Um, you'll notice uh, verse 22 of Matthew 2. But when he heard that uh, Archelaus uh, was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, He was afraid to go there, and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So, 
Luke just, again, he's giving us snapshots. Alright? We're getting ready to see, you've seen the birth. Now we're going to see age 12. And then we're going to see him at age 30. We don't have a problem understanding that timeline. Right? So don't let this be a stumbling block for you either in understanding the timeline. There's no purpose in Luke including that. So, back to the text. So verse 39, so when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord. In other words, he's saying, look, that's, that's all been taken care of. They, in other words, he has done what he's supposed to do. They have done what they are supposed to do. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, look, we've already learned about the person of Jesus Christ in these early verses. We've heard the testimony of Simeon. Uh, We didn't focus on it here, but you can read it. The testimony of Anna as to the identity of this child. Uh, We also know that uh, we've heard from Gabriel, the angel, that this is, in fact, the Messiah, the Son of God. It was given to Mary. It's also in, in Matthew's Gospel recorded that he spoke to Joseph in a dream. And uh, we, that the angel spoke to Joseph. Remember, he said, this is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Uh, we've heard the testimony of Mary, that God has brought salvation. We've heard the testimony of Zacharias in this Gospel of Luke, the father of John, that a horn of salvation has been raised up in this child born to Mary. We've heard the angels in the field announcing to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth at the birth of the Savior of the world. So Luke has done a great job of laying out who this person is. This child is the Messiah. This is God incarnate. Now, again, when we look at the information that's contained in Scripture about Jesus as a boy, we're limited. You know, a lot of people to satisfy curiosity... Some have written down so-called infancy gospels. The Apocrypha, for example, includes some of those things. Uh, There's a lot of myths that were written surrounding Jesus' childhood. See if you've heard of any of these. Let me give you some of the things that are out there on the rumor mill grapevine, the, the legendary stories of Jesus' childhood. Because again, guys... Doesn't matter what hearsay is, rumor mill says, what does God's word say? We're going to bring some clarification, but let's take a look at some of the. Well, what were some of these myths out there? One thing that's been said was that Jesus went to India. He went to India and he learned his Christ consciousness there. As a child, it was said that he once was uh, in Galilee and he saw a bully picking on a kid. And the bully was coming over with a stick, going to whack that little kid in the head. And Jesus turned the stick into a snake and scared the bully half to death and he ran off. There's another story that he was once playing with some kids and there was a bunch of these uh, uh, pots, clay pots. And that he miraculously turned them into, I've heard two different things, birds and they flew away. Or they turned into butterflies and flew away. Um, there's, you know, other stories that have been 
put out there that as a child, Jesus did certain things. There's one told of, of healing a man, and uh, he, he was made into a mule by a spell, and Jesus helped heal him. Um, there are other stories, again, that, that are floating around that he, uh, he, he was healing people with a sprinkling with his old bath water. <laughs> and uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of stuff out there, but let me say this. They're not true. Those are stories. They're myths. Man came up with out of curiosity's sake. Uh, and man is a very curious being. We don't like that unknown, do we? How do I know? How do I know those stories are myths? Well, you're good Bible students here at Community Baptist Church. We don't think from the world or experiences or legends or stories to the Bible. We think from the Bible, right? Well, what does John tell us? John chapter 2. Well, let's look. Turn over to to John because I I don't want you to take my word for it. Let's see what God has to say. John chapter 2. You'll remember the story. There was a wedding in Cana, right? Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. They ran out of wine. And if you'll continue on, you'll notice that, you know, Jesus ended up saying, well, draw some some water, put it in these water pots. When the master of the feast had, and Jesus turned it into, into wine, and uh, the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, verse 9. But the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, uh, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Notice verse 11. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. Some of yours may say this is his first miracle. John documents this was the first miracle Jesus ever did, was at the wedding of Cana. Now, did he have the ability? Could he have, as a child, done miracles? Certainly he could. He's God incarnate. But remember, he emptied himself to do the Father's will. And it wasn't in the Father's will until this point to begin to reveal that glory. And so again, think scripturally. Don't think from myths or legends or other world religions that want to say Jesus did this or Jesus did that. Thus saith the Lord. So, we know that as a boy, Jesus grew in he grew in strength in spirit. Verse 40 He became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and grace of God, the grace of God, was upon him. Now, MacArthur has an interesting take here. He believes that just as Jesus had willingly subjected himself, coming into the robe of man, the limitations, he set aside intentionally, uh, but as he grew to this point... 
up until this point, he did not have, he did not allow himself, I guess you could say, those um, understandings to, to the degree that he did at age 12. By the time he gets to age 12, and he cites something here in the Greek. He says that he grew in strength in spirit. Let's see if I can find this right phrase. He says um, that he grew in, the child grew and became strong in spirit with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. He cites that this is sort of a culmination. This is a, a, a fullness and that is found in the original. You can sense here, you can see here that there's a coming together of understanding. That Jesus is at this point fully understanding His purpose and mission in humanity and, of course, His Godhead. A culmination of both, if you will. Now, you can look into his, his commentaries, read a little bit more in depth, and I'm sure you'll get a lot better clarification of what I'm trying to say. But here's the point. When did the Jews recognize a young man to be a man? His, his bar mitzvah, right? Bar mitzvah, right? Anybody been to a bar mitzvah? Oh, okay, excellent. Pastor Dean has. I'll talk to you about that later. Get me one of them hats. Anyway, that's it. Um, but here's the thing. This was customary that when a child, and this is the discussion, some believe it was age 13. Many believe, though, during this time period it was 12. I used to think 13, but I'll be honest with you, in my study of this text, I, I'm, I really think it was probably 12. That's just off the cuff. I, I'm open to uh, learning in that by all means. But here's the point. Even if it was 12 or 13, the custom was that when a Jewish boy was approaching this age, two years prior to becoming a man, he would go with his dad to the festivals. The men were required to attend three Jewish festivals yearly. There were certain festivals that were written in the Old Testament that required the man to go to. The Passover being the big one. Uh, there was also, uh, and by the way, the Passover uh, was a one-day festival. But what followed was seven days of the Unleavened Bread Festival. Okay, so this would have been a week-long event going on in Jerusalem, but the Passover started it, and it was, um, you know, at the beginning, and, and this was the biggie. So, uh, by the way, that's my second point. We talked about the person. I also want to talk about the Passover. All right? Um, so you've got that one. You've, you've also got um, the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. Pentecost and Tabernacles. Those are the other two big ones. So you've got uh, the Passover. Fifty days later, you've got the Pentecost, uh, the, the uh, uh, festival. Then you've got also the um, Feast of Tabernacles, which typically would have been later. For example, in our calendar, this is why we celebrate Easter in March and April. That's Passover. We celebrate, um, uh, though we don't, we call it, we don't celebrate the Passover per se, we celebrate the resurrection, but that's why, because we believe Jesus is the Passover lamb. Um, and then the tabernacle would have been like in the fall of our calendar year. All right? And you remember what that represented? That's when they, you know, sleep in the tents outside. Um, anyway, 
that's another study. I'm getting rabbit trailed. Let's, uh, let's take a look at the Passover. His parents used to go to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. That's what the text says, does it not? Verse 41, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. You know what that tells me about his parents? They were godly parents. They took their worship of the Lord very seriously as a family. By the way, the men were required, not the women. But what does it say? They, his parents. Excellent. Good. That's right. They, they went. They went together. I think there's some lessons in that, moms, dads. I think uh, responsibility in raising children to the Lord doesn't just rest with the mom, doesn't just rest with the dad, should be a family event. Anyways, so um, uh, this was a normal thing. There were three feasts held every year. Uh, This was the Passover. We talked about the Pentecost. We talked about the tabernacle. Now, um, let me give you a little history on this. Most of you you are aware where the Passover comes from, right? You remember the plagues in Egypt? Let my people go. Moses to Pharaoh. Let my people go. And the tenth plague was known as the Passover. Remember the firstborn child of every family and beast as well, firstborn, would die. Unless Moses instructed the people of Israel, instructed uh, the followers of God to take a lamb without blemish, prepare it, slaughter it, put blood on the doorposts, and that night, who would come through? Yeah, I've seen that Charlton Heston movie too. We don't take our stuff from movies, we take it from the Bible. Look at the text in Exodus, the Lord. The Lord came. And either passed over in judgment or brought judgment. Again, don't take my word for it. Go read the text. Right? Uh, Again, isn't it interesting how we can sometimes get so ingrained with what culture's taught us that we miss what the Bible teaches us? Look, God brings the judgment. He allows the judgment. And He brought that judgment, allowed that judgment to fall upon Egypt. And the only thing that delivered the people was the Passover lamb. The blood that was shed. And that is a forerunner. That is a pointing to the Lamb that would come and deliver man from the judgment to come. So, a Passover, it has its origin in Egypt, the tenth plague, the Passover. God warned that that, uh, He would slay the firstborn of Egypt. And the people of Israel were to slay a lamb, use the blood to mark the doorposts, and the Lord would pass over. Uh, look real quick, Exodus twelve fourteen. I just want to read that, that passage real quick. Exodus 12. Exodus 12. And notice what verse uh, 14 says in regards to this. So this day shall be to you a memorial... 
and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. This is why they were there. This is why Joseph and Mary and Jesus are in Jerusalem. They are celebrating the Passover. They are doing this as a memorial. They remember how God delivered them miraculously. They remembered how uh, the Lord had uh, given them safety in traveling. Same reason why when they camp out in those tents, it's a reminder of the 40 years of wandering in the desert. They know these things. They understand the heritage behind. And so this feast was one that was required, and mostly men went, but in this case, the text tells us that they went as a family, and there were no doubt many others who did that, and typically those were the ones that were truly devoted. And so this brings me to my last point, the purpose. We've looked at the person, we've seen uh, the Passover, but notice what the text says here in Luke 2. We begin to find out the purpose of Jesus. Jesus understands His purpose uh, in this as well. Notice, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, verse 42. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned. By the way, most people didn't stay the whole week. Most would go two or three days. Because remember, Pentecost is one day, unleavened bread after. But uh, anyways, they had finished the days, and they, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know of it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Let me stop for a minute. Now some of you are thinking, wait a minute. Man, isn't that, isn't that kind of disobedient? Some have actually tried to write and say, Hi, see, he didn't obey his parents. It's not, it's not true. You see, the custom was when they traveled, they traveled in big groups. They would travel with family members. Literally, it would be hundreds in the caravan going to the big feast. And the women and the children usually were up front. The men would travel in the back. Now, this is another one of the reasons why I think personally Jesus was of age, his bar mitzvah, he became a man, because when they are leaving, he lingered behind. I could see, now again, I can't prove this. Guys, it's just, you know, sanctification imagination. But I think maybe he's, uh, you know, he's a man now. You know, I'm going to hang out with the men in the back, Jack, you know. Uh, I'm sure he didn't say that, but the point is they had traveled a whole day and they realize he's not there. Well, I thought he was with you. Well, I thought he was with you. Well, maybe he's with Aunt Bessie. Let's go see. Aunt Bessie, have you seen Jesus? No. By the way, why would they have any reason to worry? Had Jesus ever done anything like this? No. He's perfect. They never had to tell him twice or question or anything. I mean, he was always the good child. He was the obedient child. He didn't wander off. He didn't disobey. I mean, you know, we, we, we have those children that, man, you got to tell five times. They're going to wander off even after you've told them five times. But Jesus wasn't like that. So this is, look, they very much trusted that Jesus was with family. He was with the caravan. There's no need to worry. 
But after a day's journey and they get ready to set up camp for the night, they realize he's not with them. Now again, as a parent, this is when you get scared. This is that gripping moment that we all have felt that raised our hands earlier when we think our child's gone. Problem is, it's night. And they know they can't travel at night. So they wait till the next day and they begin to travel. Now, it takes them a whole day to get back. And so it says three days. Don't misunderstand. By the third day, they're looking for him. So they were very prompt. This was very serious. And therefore, they made uh, no waste of time to get there. So don't let that three days fool you. Now, interesting thing happens. Notice, they, when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. Supposing him to be with the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers. He's sitting in the midst of the doctors, the theologians. I mean, this was the temple. Think about who might have been here. Gamal? Possibly. The Sanhedrin? Nicodemus? Maybe. Saul of Tarsus? I don't know. It's the Passover. All good men came to the city, did they not? Every good Jew would have found their way there. Now, whether they were there at that day or another day, begin. remember, Passover's one day. Maybe they've left. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. Is it possible that some of these men that we find in the text that Jesus later at age 30 begins to engage were actually there talking and listening and sitting? I believe so. I really believe there had to be some of them there. I wonder, that makes me wonder, if later on, and when Jesus does reveal Himself at age 30, that if any of them thought, I wonder if this is that same guy that was a kid. You remember that kid that was there? Is this him? I don't know. I don't know. Not really important. It's kind of neat sometimes to think about that stuff, isn't it? So let's see what happens, though. Look at, look at what the Word of God does say. So, they did not find Him in Jerusalem. They sought Him. They, they find Him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. There's a crowd that has amassed. Notice it says all. All these people that have gathered in and now are starting to listen. He's right there in the midst of them. And he is asking questions dialoguing about the law, about the Old Testament. And people are utterly amazed. They are, they are flabbergasted. They're astonished. The word is astonished. And that's the same word Luke uses in description of miracles. The response of the crowd when Jesus did a miracle. That's the type of reaction that was being experienced in the midst of this Q&A. Pretty powerful. So, when they saw him, so here's his parents. Now think about it. They're three days into this. And they come in, and they saw, so when they saw him, they were amazed. 
It even amazed Mary and Joseph. With all that they've already experienced with the angels and everything else, they were amazed that Jesus is sitting here as a little boy, a 12-year-old, with all these grown men in their religious garb, and he's engaging them in some serious Q&A. And his mother said to him, now I'm just going to stop here for a second. Kids, you are not the only one that has been embarrassed by your mothers before. All right? Jesus himself got embarrassed by mom. I mean, Jesus, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever been embarrassed by my mom. So I take that back. I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening via the radio. Um, But moms, that's part of our responsibility. Part of your responsibility sometimes is to embarrass your kids, right? Look at what she does. She shows up in the middle of the crowd and says... So she sees him, son, why have you done this to us? (laughs) It's all about me. You know, I might say that song again. It's nothing to do with you, Mary. So why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I, (laughs) I mean, I can just hear this. I mean, she's, look, she's normal. She's a mom. She's freaked out. Her kid's been gone for three days. This is a parent's heart. She's upset. She's flabbergasted. She's, she's, she's bothered. Wouldn't you be, Mom? Anybody in here, I don't care if your son is Jesus. You're going to be bothered. You had not seen your child for three days and they didn't give you a clue. But, notice what happens. Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Verse 49. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, let's get something real clear. Jesus is not being condescending. But he does make a very significant point. And this is why I believe at this point Jesus fully understands his purpose. And I believe he thinks they should have understood his purpose. I mean, after all, didn't the angels deliver this message? How many times did they tell him growing up the story? I would think he has a working knowledge, right? He grew in spiritual and strength and wisdom. And he knew, he knew. But at this point, it's coming together. He's observing the feast. He's recognizing that all these symbols and everything that's being done is pointing to his coming. And he's, he's, he knows he must be submitted to the Father's will. Not His will. The Father's will. And this is part of it. And I think this is why Luke includes this segment here. God has moved upon Luke to write this here. And it's interesting because He says, Why did you seek Me? Did you not know that I must be about My Father's business? But they did not understand the statement which He spoke to them. They still didn't quite... Get it. And remember, Luke's been telling us something over and over and over, and he tells us again in the closing part. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. That's a phrase he keeps using. Mary's pondering. She's keeping all this in her heart. She's thinking about all this in her heart. She didn't understand quite what he meant. Because, see, she uses the reference, she says, she refers to Joseph. Your father and I. But Jesus says, don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? He's referencing his heavenly father. Jesus had a very important calling. Obviously, it's to be the savior of the world. 
but he's beginning to, to fully come to the wisdom, the understanding, uh, and in the, in the human sense, he's growing, and that's what this last part tells us. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. You know, he, he grew up like normal kids. You know, I can look at pictures of Faith when she was a baby, and I can look at her now. And uh, she's a little lady. She's grown in stature. Guess what? That's what happens. And Jesus is just like that. Again, the emphasis upon His humanity and in favor with God and men. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Remember Jesus at the baptism? So, His purpose... We see His person. We've learned about the Passover. And again, Jesus is the Passover. And we also begin to understand His purpose. And we'll see that unfold in the continued study ahead. I'm going to go ahead and stop right there. So what about in conclusion? What about some application to this? Well, let me ask you this question. As our pianist comes and plays, if she would, please. I'm going to ask you some closing, some closing thoughts here. Do you understand and know who this Jesus of Nazareth is? Do you understand that? Do you understand who He is? Do you know Him as the Messiah? Do you know Him as the Savior of the world? Do you know He is the one who's come to seek and to save that which was lost? Do you know Jesus? Let me ask you this, Christian. Do you understand who you are in Him? One of the biggest problems that Christians face today, I believe this is why there's so much struggle in our walk, so much struggle in our life, is because we don't know who we are in Him. We're we're getting our identity from the world. We're getting our identity from our job. We're getting our identity from our circumstances. We're a victim. We're, We're getting our identity everywhere else but in Christ. And Christian, if you're born again, the Spirit of God indwells you. You have a purpose. You have a position in Christ. You are in Him. He says you're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. Go look through the New Testament. How many times are you referred to? as You're referred to as a saint. Because that's who you are in Him. Not of yourself. That's who you are in Christ. Because of His righteousness. Do you realize that Jesus Christ is the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world? God's judgment will pass over you if you are covered by the shed blood at Calvary. Do you know and understand your purpose? What's your purpose? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is that your purpose? That may be part of the purpose. But what is your purpose? Who does God want you to be in your job? Who does God want you to be in your family? Who does God want you to be in this world? He wants you to be conformed to the image of His Son. God wants you to be conformed to the image of His Son. And you can only do that, I can only do that by the indwelling Holy Spirit, by walking according to the Spirit 
not the flesh. By letting this mind be in me, which was in Christ Jesus. He understood his purpose. Do you understand who you are in Christ and your purpose in this world? God wants you to know. Because, you see, I believe we too must be about our Father's business. And I don't think many of us fully understand that, like God wants us to. I'm reminded in Matthew 7, 21, He says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Are you doing the will of the Father? Have you, have you recognized Christ as the person? Have you recognized He's your Passover? And have you found your purpose in Him? Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your Word of truth. Lord, I pray that You help us to take today's message and really ponder it this week. Think on it. Meditate upon it. Begin to recognize who Christ is in in. His humanity and His deity. Understand why He came. And in understanding that, help us to apply, Lord, how we will respond and who You want us to be in Him. Thank You again for this time. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning, anyone listening via the radio, that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, Lord, I pray today would be their day of salvation. Lord, I pray if there's any heart that needs to be made right, that in this moment they would just take time, seek your forgiveness, seek your grace. Lord, give us what's needed, because we are a desperate, needy people. Father, help us. Forgive us. Fill us and guide us, Lord, that we might serve you with great purpose and meaning for your glory and for your honor. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to introduce you to Him. I'll be available afterwards. God's prompting your heart and He's drawing you. Something maybe you want to talk about or share, I'm available. With that said, I pray that God will lead us out, guide us and direct us for His glory. In Jesus' name, amen.